to adjust their message, to adjust their convictions in terms of who Jesus Christ is and every time they responded faithfully. And then we learned that there was some real difficulties the church was facing as they were caring for the needs of the widows. And, and so the, the leaders of the church set apart men full of the spirit who would make sure that their widows, all the widows, no matter where they came from, no matter what dialect they spoke, were cared for. And one of those men selected was Stephen. And we're going to let him preach to us today. Okay, not him. Drew, actually, our brother Drew is, is going to be the one that is going to speak. But we're going to allow this morning, like, his words to be our sermon. Before we hear from him, let, let me just set this up. At the end of chapter 6... We see that the ministry of Stephen was not just uh, reduced to assigning and making sure that certain needs were being cared for, that Luke records that, that, that Stephen was doing many signs and wonders. And there arose an opposition against him, and he didn't just know how to care for the, the needs of, of widows, but he could speak boldly about who Jesus Christ was. And so, much like we see in the book of Acts, there arose opposition to him. They opposed what he was saying, and notice what happens. Tell me if this sounds familiar. The more that Stephen preached the realities and the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the more they began to oppose him and realized they really didn't have the ability to oppose him. And so they gathered up a group of false witnesses who made some accusations against Stephen that he was blaspheming God. He was blaspheming the law of Moses. Particularly, they accused him. They said, we heard you talk about this Jesus of Nazareth who would destroy the temple and replace the customs, the, the laws and the traditions of Moses. Sound familiar? And these false witnesses, they... They decided to take him in front of a group of religious people like a trial. And Stephen, with the face like an angel, began to give his defense. And in this defense, he recounts, he recounts Israel's history. The consistent struggle of God's people to hear God speak and to not harden their hearts and persist in rebellion against him. This morning we're going to hear from the words of Stephen how important it is that God's people, no matter where or when they live, have a heart that is aware and humble enough to respond to the truth. Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length. 
but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. And there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and, and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. But as the time drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people began to increase and multiply in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born. He was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. Now, he supposed that his brothers would understand that, that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. On the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why are you wronging each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside and said, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? You want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled became an exile in the land of Midian where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. And when Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. And then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. <laughs> this Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who spoke to him in the bush. This man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us and our fathers refused to obey him but thrust him aside. And in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. They made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and they were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away gave them over to worship the host of heavens. As it is spoken in the book of the prophets, did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? Uh, you took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your God, Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers also had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. And so it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. And yet, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has not my hands made all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. It's difficult to hear the truth. Luke then interjects after Stephen's speech, that their hearts did not break. Luke says that they became enraged and they ground their teeth. And yet Stephen, looking up into heaven, says, Behold, I see the Son of Man standing at this. This rebellious and stubborn audience covered their ears, all, trying to stop the words of truth being spoken to them. And they rushed at him as one man. And if this story just doesn't become more and more eerily familiar to you, they 
take him outside of the city so that they might deal with him. They stone him to death. In, in, in the process, they, they were laying down their garments and they lay them down at a, at a man named Saul who was there giving approval to his death. Stephen had recounted Israel's history in such a way that they had to deal with the truth. The truth of their people's history, but also the truth about themselves. The truth that revealed their own stubbornness and their own hard hearts. And they chose to kill him. And Stephen, much like the one that he was living for and modeling his life after, says these words as he was stoned to death. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And have you heard this before? Do not hold this sin against these men for what they are doing. And Stephen died. Now you, you could wonder, so what part of the story do I need to take with me? All of it. It's sometimes maybe even easier for us to associate ourselves with Stephen. To think about his boldness and to think about the difficulties of life and to just to commit that, you know, should there ever come an opportunity, I will be bold like Stephen. But this morning, in, in light of the way that the text has even been presented to us, it, it might be good to just stop and ask, is there anything we could learn? Is there anything that needs to change within us? How are we like those who are stubborn and hard-hearted? Where in my life, where in our lives, are we somehow not being aware of and responsive to the movement of the Holy Spirit? Sure, it's easy to be Stephen. That's why it's good for us to stop and to, to heed the instruction of the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Corinthians, in the first letter, in chapter 10, the Apostle Paul uses for the church the example of the Israelites and their repeated failure to follow God and his plan and his purpose. And in verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this. These things, although it happened to them, serves as instruction to us. In this story. Although it did not happen to us, it has been written down by Luke as instruction to us. That maybe before we ever have the opportunity to speak boldly the words like Stephen did, we must first humbly come to God and repent of our stubborn hearts. To repent of our rebellion and our inability or even a lack of interest to know and to respond to the Holy Spirit. And so on that, we would like to close our service in prayer together, asking for those things specifically that God might reveal to us 
real and specific things that expose, that make known to us the hardness in our hearts and the rebellion in us. Will you pray with me? And in this prayer, I'm going to give us an opportunity to allow, through the use of a few words, some silence, in which you will then go to God and ask him to make known to you these things. Almighty God, in light of history, we thank you. We thank you for your persistence and for the love that you have demonstrated in spite of a rebellious people. It is so easy for us to consider ourselves different than those who've gone before us. And that seems to be the failure of all of us. Therefore, God, of mercy and grace, reveal to us, help us see a stubbornness in us that needs to repent. Gracious God, help us see, make known to us the thoughts and the feelings and the actions that are rebellious against you and against your word and against your spirit and against your way. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of Moses, and David and the prophets, God of Peter, James and John, and Saul of Tarsus, I pray that you would reveal, that you would make known to us, not just our hard hearts or our rebellious ways, but your, your love for us, your mercy, your grace. May we be completely amazed and responsive to the ways in which you respond to a people that consistently reject you. God, teach us, lead us by your spirit and by its power to melt our thoughts and our feelings and our actions and to conform them to your will. God of heaven and earth, we give you thanks for this time of silence and of reflection and of truth. It is for your glory. And it is for our joy we give you thanks for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So as we leave, although a little bit early this morning, I pray that you take with you the thoughts of Stephen's message of Israel's history and of God's invitation to you to receive grace, 
when you have been stubborn to receive mercy, when you have been rebellious. If you would like to continue this conversation, we would love to continue it with you. We don't want you to leave just feeling the weight of brokenness. We want you to leave feeling the joy of redemption and the start of restoration. And may you go this morning as an ambassador of that peace because of the change of your heart by the power of the Spirit that you might boldly and graciously speak the words of truth. Love you guys. God bless. And we will see you next Sunday.